Welcome to Vintage Voices, the exclusive space where wisdom is timeless and the golden years are just the start of bold new adventures. Each week, we uncover the treasure trove of tales kept tucked away, the echoes of history witnessed, and the tears that were a part of their journeys. These narratives are far too precious to be left untold, so lend us your ears as we delve into the uncharted memoirs of those who've lived a lifetime of love, lessons, and legacy. Vintage Voices, where every wrinkle is a tale waiting to be told. This podcast is a heartfelt partnership between the Canon Studios Podcast Network and Senior Planners. What did you what did you do for a living, Miss Marianne? Well, I was in accounting my whole life, but I love children and babies and I love the, the handicap. So when um our son got out of college, I told Gun and I'd been doing work with the handicap at night and he said, Well I think you can give your job up and do what you want to do. And I went to work for the handicap in a workshop where we just put steel together and and they got paid by the piece. And then when we moved away from there, we moved up to LJ to retire. And where was this? This was in Atlanta, outside okay. of Atlanta. And then we moved to LJ and I always wanted to be a teacher and I went to work at a Baptist preschool and worked there for eight years part time. And I loved it. Yeah. But I love working with with the handicap and with children. Mm-hmm. And what about you, Mr. Gunther? Well, I, of course, was born in Germany. I finished my education. I was 20 when I came over. I made my citizenship in 65. And um, I worked when I came over, or what I studied in in Germany was um, store construction and design. So I... I, uh, that was in December 61. I was drafted and um, went to basic training. After basic training, I went to Alabama to the, to the Army Aviation Rotary Wing Division, and I was working in publication because my MOS became graphic artist, which was part of what what my education was in Germany, too. And from there, I went to Germany for a year at the 7th Army NCO Academy. Again, um, I, with my language, MOS was German, uh, and there were a lot of German civilians working at the base. And then I left um, Germany. So... I, my last weekend in Germany was when Kennedy was assassinated in 63. So then I came back, went back to Montgomery Ward. And from Montgomery Ward, I went to a smaller company in retail. Again, in store design and construction. Still in Chicago? In Chicago. Then uh, that company was bought out by... Zale Corporation, Zale Jewelers. We were in the shoe business. So Zale, at that time, um, owned a company in Atlanta. And when they closed our office in Chicago, I came to Atlanta. So 
same things, store design. Um, and then I built a building for him. We were displaced. We were displaced by the DOT. We were down on Brookwood in Atlanta, and when they expanded 85, we were displaced, and we were we went to um, Marietta, <clears throat> and I was put in charge of building the building and the distribution center. At that time, the company had about 1,000 stores from coast to coast, uh, including Puerto Rico, et cetera, et cetera. So it was a big job, first of all, to do the building. I was, I was the go-between the architects and um, the interior designers and all that sort of stuff. So I had, had my own office with a secretary. <coughs> and uh, the, the office building was a three-story office building, was 380-some employees. Unfortunately, <coughs> Zale sold us to another company, and after several years, they didn't like the profits they were realizing from the company. They sold us again. It didn't take long um, that the company went downhill, and I was released in <clears throat> ninety. The first layoff we had was a layoff as about 100 employees. They came in Monday morning, had their packets on their desk, and their boxes sitting at their office, and it said, you got till 10 o'clock to gather your, gather your things, and out you go to the front door. I was not one of those. I, I was... <clears throat> Your time. <laughs> yeah, I was. Back to back to go. I was maybe in the sixth layoff. Then, it, then it went, you know, much smaller because there weren't too many people left, yeah. <laughs> you know, in the, in in the company. So, I was um, laid off in in ninety. I was out of work for about ten months. Went with another company, smaller company, in the chemical business as a director of purchasing. So and that's that's basically it. That's I retired from there. Wonderful. When did you retire? Twenty um, uh, twenty one. So y'all came here. You retired. Both of you retired. You kept the babies. Then y'all moved to Ella J. Or were you already in LJ? No, we lived in Marietta, and then we moved to LJ and we stayed up house for 28, 28 years, years all together. We wow. built it in '90 as a tax bracket, and um, so we didn't move up there till 2001. We went back to Germany on a, on it. Took her several times to, um, especially when the wall came down. Um, when the communists fell, uh, we I took her to East Germany, where my grandparents came from, where my mother was born. Mm -hmm. And um, we uh, inherited <clears throat> the property of my grandfather's, which was under Russian regime or communist, you know, uh, management. <laughs> and uh, but the house was fallen in. But at that time, <clears throat> we could. Um, 
we could um, re reclaim the property, which we did, you know, even though it was fallen in and, and devastated, you know. But um, so we got a little money out of that, not much. So when we came back, we said, well, we'll share that money with the children. And they got their share. We didn't get a share. Yeah, we kept a share. We kept a share. We divided by three. And uh, they immediately turned around and bought a house, each of them, a starter, you know, a small starter house. And it went on from there. I bet you've seen a lot in Germany. Well, uh, I was stationed, <clears throat> like I said, I was stationed down in Bavaria. <clears throat> My parents were still living. Um, they were living in Kiel, which is the northern part. So, But uh, Dad came down um, to visit me down in Batoz in Bavaria. And um, then my ex-girlfriend, when I was still living in Germany, she came down. And um, we got back together, and I got married <laughs> while I was in the service, you know, with her. And uh, eventually I brought her back to... Um, to Chicago, mm -hmm. so that's where the children were born. <clears throat> where in Chicago? I used to have a house on the Gold Coast on Rust Street. Well, we were uh, we we uh, uh, settled down in the German neighborhood, which was Western and Lincoln, Lincolnwood, and uh, Rogers Park, and then we bought a house in Rogers Park too. But then a couple of years later, I was transferred. So you know mm -hmm. how things go. I know I had a, a, an assistant that's from Germany. I don't even remember where it's from, where she's from. She is 82 years old. And when everything started happening with the government around here mm -hmm. about four or five years ago, she started really, really getting nervous and anxious and kept saying, I feel like this is, it's going to go the same direction it was in Germany. Yeah. See, he watches all the all that stuff on TV, the killing and everything, and I ask him, I can't watch it, and I ask him why he watches it, and he said, because that was my life. That's how he it was with with the children saying, you know, you want a lollipop, come with me, you know, and he that's what he grew up I in. Was born in thirty. I was born in thirty eight, and of course we were bombed. We've seen all this, and there's a story. I put in these in 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 the and she might give it to you, you know. <coughs> as, where we played as children, we played in the rubble. That's what we had to play with, you know. And there was this incident. We we out of the bricks, you know, which were laying around. We we made houses. We made houses and with levels and we used the wood chips and whatever to 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 and then we furnished those little buildings and we set them afire you know and that was so then one day we found this can of shoe polish well that it became a table you know in in the little building like a like a dollhouse you know basically but just made out of remnants from from the bombing or from where the building fell in. So then um, 
we set this thing on fire. Well, we were we were we were maybe ten years old or something like that, not realizing that the wax in the can would expand or heat up, so it exploded in our faces. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't burned, but one of my friends, you know, I mean, we were kids, you know, doing this. <clears throat> Rats running around at night. I still remember uh, unexploded bombs, especially the phosphor bombs that looked like a, like a stick like that, you know, laying around in the backyards and things like that, you know. So it's uh, uh, going, of course, in the bomb shelter, which in general were under the apartment buildings, sleeping there overnight. They had bunk beds in there for the kids, sleeping on straw mattresses. And, you know, uh, things. those things you won't forget, even while I was five, six, seven years old, you know. So it's, uh, this is why I'm making him. That's all we knew. That's all was there. We were, we were hungry, too. And um, Dad was taken prisoner of a war. <coughs> and uh, my, my father, in the last six months of uh, the war, and he was... He was just drafted six months before. So he was taken prisoner of war in France by Americans. <coughs> so he came back in uh, in uh, 47 while we were living in the East with my grandfather because the bombings, uh, some of these cities, especially Cologne, where I was born, was a major target for... Uh, the Western, you know, coming in, um, and so we moved moved away, and then we moved back to Cologne in '47 when my dad came back. But at least he was released. He was released. He he was not. He was treated well because he knew um, he knew uh, the language. He knew American. They lived in the state. In fact, my parents met in the United States, and then moved, worked for, for a German company, moved back to, you know, to uh, Germany because the company transferred them back, basically. So then, any which way, yes, we were hungry. Uh, Dad had a job with my godfather, and they went to Amer- American installations and Taking pictures and things like that. On the way back, of course, they stopped in on the black market. At, um, um, farmers and things like that, wherever they were, and um, brought back some beans or brought back a ham, smoked ham, or something like that. You know, the black market was flourishing, but there are times where we. Even in in the east, <clears throat> there were times where we went out in the fields to dig up potatoes, which the plow left in the ground. Uh, We went back to the fields to pick up grains, which had fallen on on the ground, and thrashed them at home and made bread and things like that. You know, I mean, you you were desperate sometimes to 
First of all, not waste anything. We dried our own fruit in the sunshine. We made our own yogurt by putting milk, if we had it, put the put the milk in the in the window, and let it sour curd or sour. You know, that was our yogurt. So we survived it, but um, there were times where it was rough. Well, now I see why you're writing a memoir. I've wanted him to do it forever, for 43 years, and finally he started doing it. Is it hard to go back and relive some of those things? Well, I mean, it's, <clears throat> it's in your mind. You know, you won't forget these pictures, especially with what you see now mm-hmm. or what you see in Ukraine. That's exactly how it was. <clears throat> streets and streets and rubble on the streets and, you know, rats running around, and, and that's just how it was. <clears throat> Sad. They've never realized that unless, unless um, see, and I was drafted, and the draft, you know, there's no more draft. So these kids today, unless they want to, you know, um, get into the service and, and see some of that stuff. You know, it's it's pretty bad. At the same time, <clears throat> uh, when the Russians, we were still in the East, <clears throat> where my dad was <clears throat> in uh, prisoner of war, and the, the country was divided into four sectors. The Brits, you know, the French the Americans, and, of course, the Russians. So we were in the east where, the, where that became a Russian-occupied sector. So we watched as children, as six-year-olds, seven-year-olds. <clears throat> uh, there was a curfew that Sunday, and kids just... So the, the troops were marching in, the Russian troops were marching in on the main main street, and we were only a block away from the main street. So we kids went to the corner, you know, even though the curfew was in place. And there was a, a nice Russian officer standing on the corner. Um, and, I mean, uh, he was nice. You know, he let us stay. And we watched the troops march in, and they came in with horse and buggy, uh, laying on hay. Um, this is around 48, 49? This was 45. Oh, 45, okay. When, when the Allies divided the country into four. So, you know, that was right right uh, when this happened, 45, right after the war. See, I want him to do a video. This is what I really wanted, but I, I finally got the memoirs. But I had wanted somebody to come to our house and he'd do this. Because the children and grandchildren, nobody knows about this. That would mean so much. For them to sit and hear this story. And that's what I really wanted. Mm -hmm. But it's in in writing. So it's in a lot of the, I've described a lot of the little details, you know. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's sad. And, of course, um, one of the family members got killed. Even um, my mom's cousin, who was he, he was maybe eighteen or sixteen. He was he was sent to the Russian front uh, by the Germans, you know, because at that time they drafted anybody. The old people. My dad was in the forties already 
when you know when he got drafted and um, so that took anybody and anybody for cannon fodder and uh, the cousin never came back you know and they don't know where he ended up in Russia and the people didn't go tell your family members back in the day they just didn't come home he just didn't come home because you know that was uh, the Russian situation became terrible because it, it, the winter hit, and that's where the where the German army really faltered mm -hmm. and uh, lost. I mean, not only you know that that talk about the Jews, the Jews situation, and all this sort of stuff, but German lost a lot, of millions of people mm -hmm. in the war. So German was your number one language. When did you learn to speak English? Well, German education, it's mandatory six years of English. And I'm not talking semesters. I'm talking full year. Full year. Two hours every day. So you start learning the language by the A, apple, B, C, and then it goes on and on and on. You learn the spelling. So I had six years of English. So when I came to the States in, God, 50, 50, 50, no, 50, 59, 59. Yeah, 59, 59. I spoke the language. So... Even though the language we're taught in, in, in Germany was Oxford English, so a lot of, a lot of words, certainly the, the cuss words, um, I learned on the street of Chicago. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> my, wow. <laughs> the, <laughs> well, Michigan Avenue. Yes. Uh, my uncle, we were walking Michigan Avenue, so here's this bum on Michigan Avenue, and, and, and he said, well... He said, I would give an F for a sandwich or something. Uh -huh. And I asked my uncle, what, what does that mean? <laughs> so that's something we didn't learn. We did not learn. learn. <laughs> so anyway, try, you know. Well, I can't thank you enough for coming and sitting with us today and sharing your story with us. It is, it's Maybe one of the best ones we've had. It's you know going to continue. The story is going to continue, hopefully. Say, we were with a bunch of people once, and he was telling the story, kind of. And we all sat there, and when they got through, I said, you know what thalidomide is? And, of course, it was all old people, and they knew what thalidomide was. I said, I taught thalidomide babies how to swim because his story is so magnificent compared to a regular story. Thalidomide was a drug people took when I was like 20, pregnant women, and it made the babies be born with flipper hands. They didn't, they didn't, there was a little hand here, a little flipper, and they didn't have arms. And well, they didn't know that that was the deformity coming from the medicine. It was called thalidomide, and pregnant women took it, and a lot of babies were born with these little flipper hands. And so I always say after his magnificent stories, I taught thalidomide babies how to swim. <laughs> you know? That's good too. Yeah. You know, a lot of a lot of these stories have to do with your personality too. Uh, I met.
people in the service, young kids that wanted to be good soldiers and couldn't hack it. You know, to behave themselves in a foreign country, to uphold the reputation of <coughs> of America, or as a as a service person. Um, so I made a lot of friends. You know, and and they're good people all over this place. As the sun sets on another episode of Vintage Voices, we tuck away the story shared today into the cherished album of our collective history. We send a heartfelt thank you to our remarkable guest from the Arbors at Bridge Mill for entrusting us with the fabric of their storied lives. And to you, our listeners, for joining this journey through time. Remember, each wrinkle holds a story, each story a lesson, and every lesson is a step towards legacy. Until next time, keep the conversations alive. Honor the voices of our wisest companions, and may you find inspiration to weave your own tale into the rich tapestry of life. From all of us at Canaan Studios Network, thank you for listening to Vintage Voices, where the past speaks and we listen. Goodbye for now, and may your days be storied and bright.